0: The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're uh, joined by Dr. Dan Morheim, an emergency medicine physician in Maryland and author of the book, Preparing for a Better End. We'll discuss advanced directives, which are also known as living wills in preparation for National Healthcare Decision Day on April 16th. Dr. Morheim is also an AMA Senior Physicians Section Liaison. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Morheim, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, when I looked ahead and started uh, uh, thinking about what we're talking about, this uh, issue of updating uh, your advanced directives. I thought back to the beginning of that pandemic, and this is one of the first things that uh, crossed my mind is I, I need to update uh, that, which I think the last time was when I was had small children. So the pandemic made me think about that. Is that something that uh, occurred with other people uh, as well, or am I alone in that?
1: Uh, you're not alone, but uh, still not enough people have completed these free legal documents available in every state that uh, directs care when you can't make healthcare decisions for yourself. The pandemic highlighted it, especially because families, which we usually rely on, although sometimes it's conflict when families are there, but families weren't at the bedside, the usual source of information about what a patient might want when they can't communicate.
0: You've had uh, four decades of experience as an emergency physician, and over that time, uh, I'm sure you've been able to witness firsthand uh, what happens when uh, uh, you know, either there isn't an, an advanced directive or, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a patient that's in a critical situation, you know, tell us a little bit more about how that plays out.
1: Well, I got interested in this topic because I found myself doing full codes on patients that I knew in my head and my heart wasn't the right thing to do. But since I didn't know what the patient wanted, uh, it was, you know, I had to make decisions, but I'd rather have known what the patient would have desired. So I've, we don't see enough advanced directives in the emergency room or the intensive care unit. But what I did observe was this. When people didn't have them, chaos ensued. Clinicians mm-hmm. didn't know what they wanted. Families got into conflict. All kinds of emotional disruptions took place. And sometimes when they did, however, it took the burden off the family about making decisions. And it was clear to the clinician and then able to explain, I was able to explain to the family what the patient wanted and they could accept it because the burden of sometimes very difficult decisions was removed from them. So really an advanced directive, although we're very me-oriented culture, it's all about me, when it becomes operative, you're not making the call. So it's really a gift to your family that you've indicated to them what you want so they aren't in conflict about your care.
0: That is definitely something you don't want, which is chaos and that kind of burden on your loved ones Um, uh, so much better, obviously, to be explicit about it. What kind of scenarios are covered uh, by advanced advanced directives?
1: Well, it's basically two two key parts is what kind of care do you want in general terms, although there are further iterations of that possible, uh, when you can't make decisions for yourself. And at times, you know, the full court press is appropriate, and other times, comfort care on the other end of the spectrum is appropriate. Most of us tend to choose the middle path, as long as I'm functioning and aware and pain-free and... Uh, going along, okay, keep me going. And if a minor illness comes, treat me. But if a really serious thing comes and it's the end, uh, you know, then let me uh, die in comfort. And uh, my family in a holistic uh, situation. Look, I want the best of modern medical care, for sure. If I get chest pain during this call, please call nine one one. But I don't want to end up in intensive care unit, long past any hope of recovery tied to tubes and monitors by family down the hall, and nobody really wants that. So this enables people to get the right balance, the best of modern medicine, but also when modern medicine uh, has to shift to hospice care, palliative care, comfort care, and supportive care, that you can get that too. What most people fear is pain, isolation, and dependency. And those things can all be managed if we take advantage of the tools that are available right now, essentially all for free.
0: Well, I know that, uh, I, I know what April 15th is, I think, this year, but uh, April 16th is National Healthcare Decision Day. What, what's the significance of that date, and what what's it
1: mean? Well, whoever thought it up decided to link death and taxes, so that's how April oh, 16th very funny. came about. Okay. That was not me, that was... <laughs> other folks all together. But it is a reminder that when you do this one thing that most of us have to do every year, take care of our taxes April 15th, it should be a reminder the following day, take care of this other piece of business, which we're all adults, um, you know, have to confront. So it's it's really a, a reminder and it's an opportunity to bring the topic up and discuss it. And if you've completed your advanced directive, it's time to review it because things may have changed in your life your health or your values or your relationships. And if you haven't uh, done it, then you should complete it, and then you should also uh, bring it up to others, because we know that only about 40% of Americans have completed advanced directives, and I, it's a minority health equity issue too. I did the study on this part, and only about 20% of minority people, minorities and people of color complete advanced directives, so that's another equity issue that um, we ought to take care of.
0: Two questions there. One, I thought I was done with my advanced directive for a while, Are you, is it is this something I should be reviewing every year?
1: I think you should review it every year, every few years, but as your situation changes, mm-hmm. you know, if your health changes, relationships change, spiritual values change. But it's not just for old people. I mean, for those of us who the path of life ahead is shorter than the path behind, you naturally start thinking about those things. But the three most famous cases in American medical legal history were all women under 30. And as an ER doctor, what I often saw was that, you know, when we're young, we think we're immortal and going to go on forever. Young people tend to get in trouble catastrophically and no one's prepared. So when my kids turned 18, the challenge of living with the daddy who's into advanced directives is I gave them all advanced directives to complete and they did. And one of them said, gee, dad, when I got my driver's license, I checked organ donation. So it wasn't that remote. Later, as they grew older and got married and other things, and then they, you know, made adjustments. So it's every every adult should have this. We don't know what's gonna to happen to any of us in this crazy world, in this crazy life that we lead. So this is this is like wearing a seatbelt, really, is how I think of it. When you wear your seatbelt, you, if you didn't wear it, you probably would be okay, but it's a safety tool. And if you got in a minor car accident it'll protect you from something more serious. if you got in a major car accident it might save your life if the car was utterly demolished it might not make a difference but this is advanced directives about shifting the likelihood from one set of outcomes that are more or less out of your control or will be decided by others who don't know you to shifting it to what you, what you would want under various circumstances and the second part of the advanced directive is who will speak for you if you can't and you can obviously, most people choose their spouse, adult children, siblings, close friends. By the way, you can also, if you have an annoying relative, you could say, Please don't let that person in the room when my medical care is being discussed.
0: Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. Um, but I am adding to my list, get my adult children advanced directives ASAP. Right. So. Right. um, I imagine you know, in the scheme of things, uh, the many conversations that physicians have with their patients, like this may not be top of mind necessarily, but at, the, at relevant times, having that conversation would be really important. I also imagine pretty challenging. Um, do you have any advice on how physicians should approach this topic and, and make it easy for patients to act on it?
1: Well, that's a great question. I think there's several levels of answer to that. First, in the study that I did, in this peer-reviewed published study, we asked people if they didn't have an advanced directives, would they want one? And overwhelmingly, they said yes. And who would you want to get the information from? And they said they're physicians. So they're looking to physicians. And, and if they don't bring the topic up, uh, you know, if we don't bring the topic up, Patients are often very, you know, hesitant to start talking about this. So you have to bring it up and you have to bring it up several different times. Most people don't, including me. I didn't absorb this all at one sitting, one time in 10 minutes. It's a big topic, although it only takes a few minutes to complete the forms. So I think it's uh, persistence and having information available wherever your practice, and just spreading the word more and more so it becomes more normative rather than an outlier event. There's also significant financial implications for the healthcare system. Medicare is about $900 billion, about 25% is end of life care. And for every hospital death that doesn't occur in an ICU, but occurs in the hospital, or doesn't occur in the hospital, but happens in a hospice or at home, significant costs are achieved, not by the usual hard ways we try to reduce costs, but by respecting people's rights. And if that doesn't motivate physicians, let me throw one new one out there. There are now things called wrongful life lawsuits, alternative wrongful death. Somebody oh. goes to the hospital, and you know something unexpected happens, and negligence is alleged. and you, You're in court. Um, wrongful life. There are now a whole a series of lawsuits where, a, and typically, a person came to the hospital for something not so serious, said I don't want full resuscitation, resuscitation, and was done, one case a 90 or one year old woman and spent two weeks in a coma in the ICU before she died, her family student won a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And so um, clinicians are gonna have to understand this better than we have. Our tendency has always been to do more, but there are times when that's appropriate, but now we should do the right thing. And I think uh, institutions and clinicians, especially those on the front lines, better be aware of wrongful life lawsuits. The plaintiff's attorneys have found a new area to explore. And uh, for my 24 years in the Maryland General Assembly, I'm very familiar with how sophisticated they are, and they will uh, pursue it. But if you haven't heard about it, just search online wrongful life lawsuits. You don't want to be in that situation. And if you know what an advanced directive is as a clinician, you should learn to honor them.
0: How, uh, this hopefully not uh, sound like completely uninformed, but you know, if you're in a catastrophic accident, how you're, you're taken to an emergency room, how do they even know you have an advanced directive?
1: That's a p- part of the f- whole system that's not you know entirely together. Um, so I would say answer it this way. Um, You should obviously first step is one is to complete it. And number two is to be sure it's distributed. This should not be something in a filing cabinet or a safety deposit box. So I actually, uh, I use something called mydirectives.com, which is free and online. And I get a little print out a little QR code. It's in the glove compartment of my car. It's in my wallet. And I take it with me when I go jogging. And if I happen to be someplace out of state, whatever, or at home on the street near my, my neighborhood, they can QR code that thing and get all, not only all my, who, who to contact, my advanced directive, but also health information and other relevant uh, materials. So that's not all worked out as well as it should be. Mm-hmm. And there's challenges if you're in a different state, you know, you're driving to some other state, something happens there and then what, but you know, in, in the emergency room, if somebody came in from out of state and we had a lot of patients because that was on a major, hospital's a major corridor, we would, um, we would respect that.
0: Uh, I'm adding that to my list also. Get Uh, Advanced directive out of SAFE Um, uh, because that's really important. Um, You know, for some, you mentioned this is freely available and uh, easy to do. Where would someone go to like get an advanced directive put together?
1: Well, there are many sources Um, AARP, uh, hospitals, uh, most state health departments and local health departments. I happen to like mydirectives.com because it's free and it's easy and it's a very simple way to. Uh, go through it. There's five wishes. There's a thing called cake, which is another one. Um, and if you're ha- if you're very uh, involved in your faith, they're faith-based ones according to different faiths. So there are many different sources. You can also just, you don't need the form. Uh, you can actually just write it out on a, type it out on a piece of paper and just say, here's the three components. One, uh, what kind of care do I want if I can't make decisions? Two, who makes decisions for me and put a sequence of people? And three, has to do with uh, organ donation and disposition of body at the end.
0: Any other final thoughts on uh, you know, your advice to physicians in this particular arena?
1: I would say to physicians and everybody, look, I get it. It's a tough topic to go out and talk about death and dying. Uh, look, I was running for office and got elected six times, and I was in community meetings, and people would say, delegate Morheim, what are you working on? And I would go through the usual list of issues, and then I would say, I'd like to talk about your death, the death of everybody you know, and don't forget to vote for me in the next election. It's very depressing. Are you politically crazy? Because you know, probably we like to be at groundbreakings and ribbon cuttings and graduations and happy things. But what I found was that people really appreciated that somebody was willing to break the ice and talk about it. Just like women who came forth, like Betty Ford, talk about breast cancer, or people who talk about a kid with autism or a birth defect or even substance abuse. You know, this is happening to everybody, and we're the first generation in human history that likely has some say about how we die, and that's a powerful concept. And when you go through the process of completing the advanced directive form, it also makes you think about your values and what's important to you, and really ends up being about appreciating your life and the people you're with.
0: And so much so of uh, being in control of that decision and not leaving that for uh, someone else to have to make for you. Uh, really helpful. And I learned a lot. And I really appreciate you, uh, Dr. Morheim, being on today's episode. Thanks so I'm much going, for going all your- out of this
1: Go into you know details in, in, in my book, Preparing for a Better End, www.thebetterend.com or Johns Hopkins Press. And there's a lot of other information, very practical guide in there and uh, endorsements by a lot of uh, prominent people.
0: Well, check out thebetterend.com uh, for Dr. Morheim's book and more advice there. Uh, thanks so much for being here today and for all of your work on AMA's senior physicians sections. Shout out to all the folks uh, in that section. Uh, we'll be back soon with another Moving Medicine Video and podcast. In the meantime, don't miss these episodes because they're great. So hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts or find them at ama-assn.org slash Thanks for joining us. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.